This is The Yay, I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! (laughs) All righty. So, as always, we are sponsored by Central Works and New Play Theater, headed up by Jan Zleifler and Gary Graves. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. We want to thank them for sponsoring The Yay. Well, this is the last Yay that we're going to do for 2020. (gasps) And uh, this is... Oh, my God! Yeah, I know. Well, um, you know, post, you know, because doing something after Christmas, very hard to get a guest. So this will be the last one, but very, very special guest, Professor Stephanie Ann Johnson. Uh, Stephanie, you are a uh, you're a professor at California State University and you're a veteran lighting designer with an emphasis on African-American productions. Wait a minute. What campus? Cal State Monterey Bay. Oh, sweet. That's supposed to be a pretty campus. It's a very pretty campus. It's a very long drive. Yeah. And how are you to, uh, how are you, Professor Johnson? How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I got up at five this morning and did a meditation and sit with Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams. And so, you know, I'm, I'm all the way awake and all the way <laughs> awake. Right on. Wow. Five at <laughs> 5 a.m. You know, that's the way to do it. I'm early rising <laughs> myself, uh, but no, that, that's a fantastic way to start off the, uh, the day. But I think you are the first. I mean, you have a Wikipedia page and, uh, you know, you've been in the business for a very long time and lighting designing for African-American productions. I mean, we'll have a lot to talk about that. But uh, before we get into your story, uh, Norman, as I begin uh, every podcast, how was your week? Uh, I, I guess it was okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, as we head into this holiday season, it's a little strange, a little different than it's ever been. Um, I went up and I saw Richard Talavera a few days ago. <laughs> up, uh, he's uh, staying um, in Yachtville right now. Yeah. Not Yachtville. He lives in Yachtville. He's staying at his sister's house in American Canyon. They bought a house, but they have not yet retired, so nobody is there. <laughs> Perfect spot for a distance visit. Yeah. But you two are working on uh, that production because uh, you have a grant and you and him will be working, I guess, maybe next year on a future project. Uh, we'll, we'll see as soon as we can get it moving. Right on. <laughs> I, uh, I was filming on Thursday. Um, I, I, I remember I told you I was, had my finger crossed that I would get the uh, commercial deal. So I actually did. Yay. So I, I, yay. Yay. Hey, I can use the extra money. Santa, Santa Claus, thank you. Um, but in any case, yeah, that was Thursday. That was in the North Bay. You know, it's really interesting as an actor because I've worked with directors who are like theater directors. It's a very different animal dealing with directors of film, especially right. industrial commercials, because the way they communicate with an actor, a lot of them don't know how. Excuse me, to be quite honest. They don't mm-hmm. know how to communicate with an actor. You know, they're... Mm-hmm. Right. They want to give line readings or, you know, they'd want to try to find that language, but they have a very, very hard time. So um, well, I don't I'll know. give you a great example. Um, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I did, a, I did one show where, uh, you know, we came together like no rehearsal, no nothing. <laughs> you get the script and then when you get there, they made changes in the script. So they're like, well, let's just go over this. So we're just going to, you know, don't worry about it. This is just a little run through just so we can see how things are. You guys just you just run through it. So we run through it. And they're like, that's great. Okay, moving on. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, so after that, every take, I was like, 
uh, every time they did a second take on something, I was like, uh, if I want to make any adjustments, I better make them now because this that's might right. Be it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I, I could talk ad nauseum about it. But um, so mm-hmm. let's I'll jump through just a couple of um, um, uh, news, um, current events. Um, one is local. Dale Albright. I don't know if you heard about this, but Dale Albright, he's leaving TBA. Did you hear about this, Norman? Yep. Huh. I have uh, no idea what's going on. Maybe it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not sure. But well, um, I, I assume that they are finding <clears throat> like everybody. They're trying to find ways to downsize and restructure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they stopped printing the magazine i think they're just digital now mm-hmm. and so you know it's things are changing <laughs> but he yeah. said over 20 years he's been doing this and i remember when he came to tba so it's a, the end of an era <laughs> yeah yeah it, it is interesting and obviously a lot of theater companies are finding adjustments as to how to deal with post-covid 19 and also, we don't know exactly when. I mean, um, it was wonderful to see that the vaccines, you know, uh, I think it was yesterday or maybe earlier today, Moderna. Is it Moderna? Um, yeah, Moderna, yep. Yeah, was approved. And uh, Pfizer has already been approved. And so those uh, vaccines are being rolled out, you know, as we speak. And even uh, Vice President Mike Pence, you know, he was on camera taking the vaccine. So that's, right. a, good, that's a good sign. Um Oh, Gavin Even Newsom. The president has said he is not going to. At this point, until his medical people tell him that he needs to, he's not going to. Yeah, I could I could care less. You know, Trump could do whatever he wants to do. Um, the Gavin Newsom recall, have you heard about this? I don't understand why. It seems to be based all on his going to this party, violating oh, right. the COVID-19 the rules. Laundry, yes. Yeah, I just feel that the Republicans are just using anything that they can to throw dirt on Democrats, I don't feel Gavin Newsom needs to be recalled. I mean, do, no. any, do either of you have uh, strong feelings about this? Professor Johnson? Oh, oh no. Did you I freeze? Think may have, I think she may have frozen. Oh, yeah. oh goodness, she <laughs> locked out. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, we'll we'll give her time to click on in. But did you have any thoughts about this? I mean, I didn't even realize there was a. I hadn't even heard it, and I really think it is just nothing but the noise that Trump has started. There she is. There she is, Professor. You there? Ed. Yeah, there you are. We hear you. More than a notion. If if it gets if it. Professor, can you hear us? Because we can't hear you. Okay, she may have to log off again. Mm. Okay, we'll have to think about. Um, well, maybe well, she can switch so to the she's phone. She's got her phone, though, right? So yeah, exactly. Could so that. we we can redo this on the phone. We'll give her one last chance. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but it was a shock to hear about uh, the uh, this whole recall. It reminds me so much of uh, obviously what Daryl Issa, you know, pulled uh, getting uh, Gray Davis out. Okay, here she is. She's coming. That back was in. brilliant, though. I, 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 you know, I wasn't happy about that, but that was that was amazing. <laughs> oh, what he did back in two thousand three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got Arnold Schwarzenegger. That was. <laughs> yeah, was who would have ever guessed? Professor Johnson, you're back. I am back. Hold on one second. I'm going to hardwire and I'm going to I'm going to log out of the other site so that we don't gotcha. get that echo. Okay. Hardwire Actually, I don't I don't even hear the echo now. Oh, it happens a little. Yeah, it's I do. Hear, I do hear the echo now. Okay, yeah. never mind. Do you hear the echo now? Do you hear the echo now? Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. Hold on. Hold on. Leaving. Leaving that one. Mm-hmm. 
I, I, should, I should leave I'm, all this in. I shouldn't have to re. I'm not going to re-record. I think it's kind of cute, honestly. Yeah. Welcome to live podcasting, folks. You know, it's it's well, all good. It's, you know, <laughs> this Zoom era is going to be like nothing else. We will look back at this and go, remember when we used to do <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> Professor Johnson, while we were we were talking about the uh, the current, I guess there's a recall movement going on against uh, the governor, Gavin Newsom. I think it's sort of nonsense because all that he's really done is, you know, obviously keep us safe. Yeah, conservatives are upset that, you know, there are very strict COVID guidelines. As a matter of fact, the 49ers can't cannot play at um what is it? Um Levi Stadium. Oh. Because mm-hmm. because it will promote a and also the Rams can't play in their stadium because all of California has been closed off and they don't want to have a super spreader event, which right. I think is You're important. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's important, but now people are like, "Oh, we need to recall Gavin Newsom." So, I mean, do you have any thoughts at all? Recall him. Recall him as governor. Yeah, yeah. that's what they're saying. Yes. Oh, jeez. I mean, it, everybody's moving so quickly, and everybody's terrified, and people don't believe the information that comes out, or they right. don't know what's going on, and so people are acting out of I- ignorance and fear. Yep. And you know, some people just out of selfishness. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I hadn't heard that, but. I will do some more research into that <laughs> and f- figure out what in the world is going on. Yeah, it's it's a little crazy, and I think a lot of emotions are in play. Uh, also, what's also happened? Well, I mean, it's Go Trump's ahead. strategy. This is Trump's strategy. Chaos. And so these people are just going along with him, and when he's out, we'll see what's left. Yeah. Of this you know, crazy movement. Yeah, I mean, we have so the Santa Clara health director, a woman named Dr. Sandra Cody. She. She got on camera and she broke down in tears. She was crying, basically talking about the latest, you know, numbers. Um, and uh, it shows just the stress that a lot of folks are, are going through. That's right. In Dodge City, Kansas, uh, Mayor Joyce Warshaw, and this has more to do with the recall. I mean, more to do with uh, the votings and, and, and asserting and um, what am I trying? What's the language I'm trying to say? Basically, uh, uh, confirming the elections. So basically, mm. she she quit. She quit because right, yeah. Others too were much like stress. Yeah, too others, much stress. Yeah, others were like, you know, she was getting death threats, and she was like, how dare you confirm that Biden has won the election, and all this stuff. Right. And this, oh, is, and this is Canada who voted for Trump. So it's it's really really crazy. there. You have it. Chaos. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, this kind of malevolence thrives in chaos. Can you see me? Because I can't see myself. No, we can totally see you. You're perfect. Okay. You're um, perfect. This yeah. kind, of, this kind of malevolence and ignorance and f- it thrives in chaos, and yes. that's part of what might might be going on with the Newsom situation is more chaos, and we need to stay really grounded about what we're doing, what we're knowing, keep ourselves educated and hydrated, and stay out of the chaos. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And on a funnier note, because I always want to throw these funny things when we talk about these serious stuff. So someone hacked Donald Trump's password. Apparently his password right. is MAGA 2020. 2020, I mean, yes. For God's sake, how, how simple can you be? Of course, he's 70 years old. So I guess, you know, I don't want to go into age discrimination. Don't, but be, think- don't be ageist now. Don't be ageist. Watch it. Watch it, youngster. Watch it. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But it's just absolutely crazy. But one thing I'll ask you, uh, Dr. Johnson, you talked about, you know, meditation. You know, you meditated earlier today. Yes. But I think because when I think about just 2020 in general, and now that we're on the last podcast of 2020, the assessment of 2020, just as far as people's emotions and people's soul, 
I don't I think more than any other year, more than any other time in recent American history, have we had a year that has tested our emotions and tested our soul. Yeah. Um, would, would you agree with that? Oh, totally. I mean, it has tested us, but it also provided us with an opportunity to stop, you know, in the name of love, right? (laughs) (laughs) It provided us with an opportunity to stop, to see what's most important, to see who we are aside from what we do. Because, you know, the busyness, just everything just stopped. I mean, Mother Nature said, no, you won't. Oh, no, you won't. And everybody had to stop. I mean, when Broadway stops, you know something's wrong. Right. Broadway don't never stop. Ever. Yep. Yep. Right. And so it's an opportunity. It really is an opportunity. And I think that the longer it went on, the more people tried to find other ways to nourish themselves, to cope with it. I mean, at first, everybody was in shock. And now people found a, you know, a moment to nourish themselves. And now people are just straight up tired of it. And they want it to end. Yeah. Yeah. This but COVID they stuck situation. In there. They got the, I was worried with the election that people would have been so tired that they would have just given up. And they didn't. They right. stood in line. They That's did right. what they needed to do. That's right. I think they made it very clear. We are tired of this. We're ready to move on. Yeah. That's right. But, That's right. But, but Norma, what button would you put on 2020? I mean, what are your, I guess, assessments of, you know, the year? Uh, you know, so my mother-in-law freaked out. Uh, one of the things that we passed here in California was a change to the property tax. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a little underhanded the way they did it. It was Prop 19, I think. Um, it was clear mm-hmm. that if you were 55 or older, mm-hmm. you were going to get a tax break if you mm-hmm. voted yes for this. Mm-hmm. But there was some other mm-hmm. dirty stuff they were hiding. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm listening. Uh, so she's very upset about this, and she's trying to figure out what's going on. And first we had to kind of go, wait a minute, which one was that? Because with everything That's else right. going on, who was even paying attention? But I remember clearly having the conversation with my wife and saying, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag, and we're going to benefit. So let's go <laughs> ahead and do this. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the way I have done all of 2020. 2020 mm-hmm. has been crazy. It's been dangerous. And I feel like I'm on the rapids and I just keep kind of flowing through. Wow, that's scary. Woo, that was exciting. <laughs> that's what that's 2020 has been, including that's up to true. the election. <laughs> and can you believe that the affirmative action uh, uh, got voted down? Yeah, I wish I didn't, but yeah. Oh. I mean, really, in California, I mean. Right. They did a great job of of reframing it to make it sound like somebody, you know, it's the way they've been doing for a while. You're trying to give these people some extra rights. Right. No, no, no. We're just trying to get equal. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. They are because it sort of ties in there. There is an undercurrent of black Republicans or black conservatives who don't want to be, it's like, I'm black, but I'm not like those black uh, folks or whatever, for those right. who associate right. themselves with that. And when right. it comes to affirmative action, they're like, well, listen, if I get a job or if I get an opportunity, I want it because I've earned it, not because I'm black or whatever. But it sort of undercuts, you it, 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 You have the assumption that the system is fair. Well, the system isn't really fair. It is not fair from the jump street. And can't both be true that you both earned it and that you're black? 
Yeah. Right. Does it yeah. have to be one or the other? I mean, that is such a reductive thinking. Exactly. Oh, say, uh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead, uh, and I'll just I'll just go to quickly say, let's say you got into school or you got a job because of affirmative action. Well, you, you got to still stay in there. You still got to do the work. You yep. still have to earn yourself. And you better not mess up. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Go ahead, Norman. Well, I was going to say, so did I talk last week? I did this thing with, um, I guess I shouldn't say who, with a, a software company. <laughs> um, I did a role play, um, one of their uh, in-house trainings. Oh, yeah, you talked about this. Go ahead. And Yeah, and it was um, one of the things that they were updating the training on was to bring in this discussion, since there's all these discussions of equity now, um, to how do you have that discussion? They didn't really give us any guidelines. And so, but they uh. said, you know, just you bring up something about your experience, a black person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I did have one, though. Um, I'd run into this earlier this year where this guy, we were talking about an organization that we work for and some changes, all of this stuff that's being discussed. And he was feeling discriminated against he's an old white guy and he's being discriminated against because they're trying to force him tell him what he's got to do and he said for example i like you norman i would hire you because you're really good it's not because you're black i don't think of you as black <laughs> well, uh, yeah so i remember this conversation so, I, remember sharing right, so I brought this up yeah. to i threw this at one of these employees at this company in this role play and afterwards, the guy said, you gave me the hard one. I'm like, I did. It's a hard conversation. Because immediately, he's like, well, should we have a meeting? Should I talk to him? And I'm like, the guy was giving me a compliment. So I don't need you to go attack him. But I need you to hear that that's weird and that, that we as an organization, <laughs> as, a, as, a cor as a corporate culture, we need to come up with some ways to address this because this ain't the old KKK burning a cross in your front yard. This is your neighbor calling the cops when that friend of yours that they don't know pulls up to visit you and sits in their car for five minutes because they're five minutes early. Oh, there's a black guy parked in front of the house. So oh, they're going to call the cops. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And, mm -hmm. you know, there are degrees to prejudice. You know, there's extreme prejudice. Hey, you're a nigger and I'm and they tell you right in your face. And then there are those who are like, oh, no, 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 I love black folks. You know, oh, the guy who mows my lawn is wonderful. And, you know, and as well, I'm married to one. Oh, sure. Exactly. He's part of the family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But having the conversation is important because there's education. You know, some some people want to learn. They want to say, hey, yeah. I don't know how to speak to a black person. I don't know how to speak right. to a gay yeah. person. I don't know yeah. how to speak to yeah. a woman or a Latina or whatever. So right. let me learn. And I'm much more open to that as a black person. I remember my first year at NYU, a white kid and all of us were new. All of us are getting out of our homes for the first time. So it was a new experience for everyone. He was like, do you ever wish you were white? Do you ever, how does it feel to be black? <laughs> and I had a big laugh. <laughs> I, I, I laughed that it came out of his mouth and he was worried that I was going to attack him. And I was like, no, 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 listen, I love being black and you know, but, <laughs> learn, but having the conversation is important because right. not having right. it is the danger, you know, when you're right. trapped in your prejudice and you're trapped in your little bubble, that's when you have incidences like this. Yeah. Like the cops. Well, you you got to know, you know, ahead. you got to know what con what conversations to have with whom, you know, exactly. what kind of con there's going to be different kinds of conversations. You have to pick your moments about who you want to educate. I mean, I think white people should be educating themselves and one another. We've got enough burdens right. and we're exhausted 
but there are conversations that I will have with close friends um, because we're walking that road together. You know, I mean, we're not seen as uh, in the same way uh, socially and uh, racially, but there are those conversations I will have because I think they have the capacity to change. If right. it's not going to change anything, I'm not wasting my time because I'm not trying to be exhausted, stressed out and have a heart attack. Yeah, exactly. It's not the burden of us to educate someone else. You know, if you want to, if you want to have a conversation, if you come to me and say, hey, listen, can I talk to you about, you know, how I treat you or whatever, then I have, I'm well open to it. But you're absolutely right. The burden's down on us. <laughs> and with that, let's learn more about Dr. Stephanie Ann Johnson. I can read your Wikipedia page, but I'd rather you tell us, um, how did you get involved in theater? Where were you born and raised? And how did, how did the theater bug bite you? All righty. So, um, again, thanks so much. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Um, I wish I had known about this podcast, but I'm going to go back through and see all 176 of them that I missed. <laughs> and as I said before we went on camera, I'm trying to build this Black Bay Area Theater Network. Mm -hmm. So in two years or three years, we can have a symposium. We know who you know, one another are. We right. know the organizations and we can come together and as a coalition. Yep and promote and support one another because it's tough out here. But in answer to your question, um, I was born in Pennsylvania. I was raised in the Bronx in New York. Mm. Um, my mother, Virginia Johnson, Virginia Green Johnson, worked with the American Negro Theater. She told me stories about Sidney wow. Poitier and uh -huh. Harry Belafonte. And she said Sidney's accent was so thick in the beginning and he worked on it and worked, and she knew Ruby D. Wow. Um, and Ozzie so Davis, right? All, and Ozzie Davis. Well, this is before, before. Ozzie, mm. because she was married to Tommy D, but that's another whole story. Ah. Um, but she, all of my life, she told me how theater was the best profession in the world. Theater people were the best people in the You know, I mean, so what, what was I going to do, right? <laughs> so, and she always had, you know, it was a time when you would get a... Um, a play every two weeks or, you know, uh, and she would get a play every two weeks or every month, whatever it was, and read it, it was next to her bedside. And so, of course, I uh, ended up going to Emerson College to study theater and um, loved it. And she was absolutely right about theater people. And my um, next to last semester, I took a lighting design course and I had gone in as an actor. Of course, everybody wants to start in that way because it's most prominent and the, the appears to give the most uh, accolades. So I took a lighting design class. When I graduated, a woman named Evelyn Moore, who was a psychologist, wrote a play called Black Dyad. Hmm. And it was a conversation between a black man and a black woman. And I did lighting for her. I think it was those coffee can lights or those floodlights, something like that, uh, over there in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And that's how I got started. And hmm. I've been with it ever since. Um, graduated in 1974. So I've been doing this a minute. Yeah. I, um, um, what, what is it about lighting or what is it about the technical aspect of theater that, that you love the most? Um, can you talk about that? I've always been somebody that wanted to help other people. You know, with lighting, you are an essential part of the production. You're not front stage, you're not downstage in the spotlight, but your craft or my craft 
is essential. You are the spotlight. <laughs> I, I are the spotlight. I are the spotlight. Um, because, um, you know, I heard somebody say years and years ago, if you ain't lit, you ain't shit. <laughs> right. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember who said it, but, yeah. you know. Um, so what do I like about it? Uh, people appreciate you. You're welcome places. Um, nobody's trying to bump you out of your position. Right. I mean, nobody's trying to bump me out of being the lighting designer. Actors, you know, there, there's a culture of competition that is fomented and, and nurtured among actors, or at least earlier on in my career, I saw that. Mm -hmm. And directors, people are more cooperative now, but nobody's trying to take over my job as lighting designer. Right. Um, and that's a comfort. That's a comfort. I get to do my job and learn more, help other people and add to the production. One question I have is, uh, I know that you're a teacher and you teach lighting design. Are you getting a lot of students in? I mean, I'm, I don't know how many people are rushing to be a lighting designer. Um, yeah. Well, you get, go ahead. Well, this is the sad truth. The campus where I teach, and I'm a founding faculty member. So the campus where I teach, am I still on screen? Yes, yeah. you are. Okay. Uh, the campus where I teach, Cal State Monterey Bay, does not have a theater department. Right. Um, I started there in 1995. Uh, Benny Ambush. Yay. Was there for about three or four years and created a theater program. Mm -hmm. And that was great because, you know, I got to, I'm in the art department, the visual and public art department. So I got to teach visual and public art and then go over to the theater and take some of the students from VPA over to the theater. But mm -hmm. they, there is not a theater department. So um, the formal opportunities I've had to, to teach lighting have come through um, a dancers group grants. Uh -huh. So uh, last year they had a fellowship that was at uh, Dance Mission. And I was a guest, you know, a guest several times. This year, um, under NK, um, there was a uh, grant and I taught lighting for Afro-Urban Society uh, to 10 students. We had 12 and now we have 10. And so uh -huh. I got all black students all interested in lighting design. Wow. They, they may not all become lighting designers, but at the end of the day, whatever they do, they will be able to apply what they've learned mm -hmm. and have a love for that craft. So I was really, really um, thankful to Afro-Urban Society that I could have this opportunity, you know, to teach other Black people about lighting design. I've been trying to think when... I think I may have first met you through Thomas and Afro Solo. I'm sure. Yes. Uh, but I've worked with you in so many different, you know, places. Um, even, you know, with the new uh, Oakland project, theater project, which was formerly right. Ubuntu. Yes. Um, it was thrilled when I walked in the door and there was Stephanie. And I was like, oh, okay, well, then I know what's going to get done here. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to you had to bring power up into that space and use the power that they would allow you to use norman do you remember when uh ubuntu was site specific no, i didn't i didn't see any of the stuff there there. oh my god we did stuff at a gas station at an auto detailing store right. at a rug store and so i had to run power forever and I use remember. odd instruments it was I, really I, fun 
and I walked awesome. up into um, what was it? Um, um, streetcar, streetcar named Desire. Oh, and I'm looking front. at that space, going, "Holy <laughs> cow!" Because you had cables, you had big areas, big of bundles, <laughs> big bundles. I mean, Good. and I'm, I'm I'm glad they have a a, a home now because that was exhausting. I'm sure, but I think at around that time, or maybe it was just after you had done. Um, so uh, Afro Solo, one of the things they do is they uh, they use a uh, a gallery, a studio gallery, to present right. art, and you got to do a presentation of your art, your work yes. as art. And I just yes. I love that. So when Reg asked the question about teaching, I was like. You know what I've always noticed is in most theater programs, if they make you take lighting, it's they make you, and it's partly just to get the bodies in. But if you're a smart actor, you pay attention to how much this is a part of the art. This is part of when you walk on that stage and that one area is lit, it's not just the restriction of you can't be anywhere else, it's going to affect the audience. That's right. It's going to affect you. Yeah, that's and right. I and as actors, we don't know what the audience is seeing. We have no idea, you know, mm -hmm. not unless we see the stills afterwards or, you know, someone takes a picture. We mm -hmm. have no idea. And so, you know, a lot of times we actors can take for granted. It's like, oh, my God, I got to do this tech thing and cue to right. cue and I got to stay here. And, you know, maybe I can get away with, you know, wearing this or that or whatever. Uh, but we have no yeah. idea just how, you know, because you're, it's a tapestry. It's almost like you as the lighting designer is, is a painter. And, That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're, and you know, the, the, um, oh, what is it? The, um, I'm, I'm pantomiming. Yeah. The, uh, the gels. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> but in any case, yeah. The gels are basically, you know, with the, uh, the color palette that you use to, to yes. color these things. That's right. That's right. That, and that's really, really important. And, you know, uh, getting back to Norman and Afro solo, uh, six years ago, I wrote a piece. I had gone through cancer and I wrote a piece called Every 21 Days Cancer, Yoga and Me. Mm -hmm. And Thomas Simpson, bless, bless, bless that brother. Yeah. He uh, he gave me a run and I did my one woman piece there for about three weeks. Yay. And it was very interesting for me to be on the other side. And my colleague, Kevin Myrick. Yeah. Kevin Meyer did, did did lighting for me, right? You know, and I was just like, whatever the lighting's gonna, it's none of my business. I just got to remember <laughs> these. I got to remember these lines. I don't know how y'all do it. I don't know how y'all remember. And I had written them and I couldn't remember them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you this because there was an interesting. So I had a friend of mine. We were we were doing a women on the verge of a nervous breakdown, and she's a Philippine woman. Um, and she she was in tears one time because uh, oh. she was having such issues with tech. She just felt, she, in her words, she felt ugly. She felt that no one was taking advantage of making sure that she was that she looked a certain way and that she was presented a certain way because she felt the overall direction was towards something else, like the director wasn't paying attention and the tech wasn't. So I guess my question, it may be a bit abstract, but how? Um, do you do you take it seriously? How seriously do you take, I guess, just the I guess the picture and making sure the actor feels empowered, especially as African American actors, because the lighting mm -hmm. designer may be white or they may not even think about race. They're like, well, hey, I'm, I got a gig, and it's a That's August right. Wilson That's piece. Right. It's a gig. So let me just throw a couple of ambers and this and that or whatever, and you know, and then they'll mm -hmm. pay me. But how seriously do you take it? Well, let, let me say two things about that. 
One is since I've been doing lighting since 74, 46 years, mm. um, the industry has changed. It used to be um, all white boy lighting designers. They didn't care. It was a gig. They didn't, they didn't right. care. They, they did the same thing over and over. Standing on canvas, cool from one direction, warm from the other direction. You know, yep. they went by the book and they didn't care. But I have seen it change, at least in the Bay Area. Oh. Um, even among white designers, the younger ones. Yeah. If they have the time and if they are led by the director. Mm-hmm. So the director is the leader of the whole band. So if, the, if they're led by the director, they will take the time to look carefully at what's being done and to adjust it. Now, the problem is when you have a bang, 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 bang schedule, things have to be here, have to be there. And then you get people that really don't care or don't have the power to say, whoa, 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 or the knowledge or the interest to do it differently. So I've seen it change, but it's really up to the director and if the lighting designer has any power to say, whoa, and I do make sure, and you work a lot with the costume designers and right. sound and, you know, Margot Hall, that and sister took, took me to Marin Theater Company and we had an almost completely black design uh, uh, team yeah. over there for how I learned what I learned. Uh-huh. Yeah, and we, had, we she, had her on too. Go ahead. It, it, it was it was amazing just to work with folks, mm. just to work with folks. And so I've been doing a lot more of that. So I feel like I don't have to fight for what is necessary in terms of we got to warm up this skin. We've got to do something about that background. It's too dark. Um, when you're working with folks and you're working consistently with a team, you all know, you know, and when I'm working with black artists, it's just. It's been amazing. My career has really has has blossomed in that way because it was lonely the first years, really wow. lonely. I imagine so. Norman, let me bring you in as yeah. a director. What is the conversation that you have? I mean, with uh, with tech or whatever, and you know, how much do you think about lighting all through the rehearsal process, or do you wait until tech? <laughs> Uh, well, it's not waiting till tech, because if you don't start having that conversation at the beginning, you're in trouble. Um, I don't. I trust my designers. <laughs> I, I do. Um, and what I, what I think about is my vision of the play, my concept of how, how to bring this thing to life. And then designers, and I, and I feel fortunate, designers will tell you, one, these are the limitations you've got. I mean, I'll never forget doing, it was a brand new show I did for Golden Thread, and we were in this tiny little space, and they said, we've got this many instruments, I've got this many places I can plug them in, this is what you're going to get. I can give you this many playing areas. And I said, cool. So I staged it. Well, I knew what I had agreed to, but my actors didn't. And so they would see that, I would say, I need you to stay over in this little corner and somebody would want to spread out to center stage. So the first run through, the delighting designers sitting next to me going, I thought we said there wasn't going to be anybody over there. <laughs> I said, I know. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll work on it. And they said, no, no, no. Just, just give me some time. And by the time we got the show up, all this extra stuff that come in that I hadn't conceived of, that I had no thought about. And I was trying to stay within my lane. 
Right. And the lighting designer was like, no, I understand what you're doing. I understand your vision. And I can make this work. And I was like, and you talked about talking to the other designers, costume designers. My favorite thing will always be with that. We did a play called Finding Claire. Um, and the set is described as being, it's like a rundown. It's almost like, these are almost like trailer trash family. Mm -hmm. So it's a, you know, it's a kitchen, living room setting that's all kind of crammed on top of each other. And it's a sculpture garden, a rock sculpture garden. These two things superimposed on each other. So mm -hmm. one thing is, what do you do with the lighting? If somebody wants to sit up on that rock and mm -hmm. you just give us a nice little tight spotlight there, that works. Well, the lighting designer was the set designer and he talked to the costume designer and said, mm -hmm. no, she came to him. Costume designer came to him and said, what are you going to do with the lights? Because I want to take all the costumes for these characters and I want to, she stained them. She just took everything and put them in like a gray. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that all the palette of what they were wearing put them in that same reality in that world. One character who comes from outside doesn't have that tone. Mm -hmm. With the lighting and the costume, it just popped. I could mm -hmm. never conceive of something like that. My brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> but the designer tells you, we're going to, this is what we're going to do. And I'm like, um, yeah, <laughs> thank well, you. That's, that's why a, a good designer is worth their weight in gold. Somebody that walks in, it's their craft, it's their art, it's not a gig. Right. You know, and I was working at a theater company and um, they get, you know, they give you a certain number of comps. Right. And, um, <clears throat> It's a local theater company. And I said, oh, does that include myself? And the production manager said, yeah, that includes you. And I said, well, I want to come whenever I want to come. And right. the production, ma product production manager said, no designer has ever asked for that before. And this is a company that's been around a long time. Yeah. And I said, this play is important to me. Right. And I want to come back and see it. And so, you know, I got pretty much... Uh, a free pass to be able to come and see it whenever I wanted to see it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they had been working with designers, I guess, who were either not as invested in the production or whatever, you know, to disparage whatever their motives were. Me, right. This meant something and I needed to see it. Yeah, it's important. It's important. I think, you know, the important thing that you were mentioning, Norman, that directors need to give the uh, the the leeway for designers to do their thing. And they sort of do the work for you. I mean, they sort of, you know, they almost can tell the tale. There's, you know, yes. like I'll, I'll never forget with uh, when we did Foreman in Paris, there are things that you did without the dialogue at all and the ambience of the stage or whatever that really told a story that a script couldn't tell. And I love. I do love doing that to actors. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need you to understand what the image is. I need you to understand what the reality is for your character, and That's I need right. you as an actor to move on the stage safely. I need That's those right. two things from you. When That's you right. suddenly go, oh my god, it felt like the audience was in my lap. I know. That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> There's one quick story I want to tell. So th there was a, uh, I was I was in tech, I was a stage manager for, uh, it was a uh, group called the Isis Arts Collective. I'm looking at the poster right there. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mike Ward had held, uh, had um, was a part of it. But in any case, this poor lighting designer, she was a female and she was in tears during our Q to Q because oh. basically she had to light 
several one act uh, productions in one sitting. Oh. And of course she had like six directors basically saying, I want this, I want that, I want this. And yeah. she had to tell them, listen, <clears throat> I have a limited amount of uh, instruments and I can't move the lights in between shows. So you're gonna have to just live with what I've got. And none of these men, and they were all men, of course. Oh my gosh. Basically telling them, no, this is what I want. You need to tell me as if she were flipping burgers or whatever. Hey, I gave you an order, you know. Da, 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 da. Right. Um, as a woman and as a person of color, what are some of the, um, I'm sure you've had some horror tales, horror uh, yeah. productions that you've had to, to, to endure. Yeah, I have I have two funny stories that are kind of bookends. When I first got here, I um, I I my landlord burnt my apartment down in Boston, wow, and so God. I had always wanted to come to California. I had nothing left, so I went up to Toronto. I worked at Black Theater Canada for a while. Um, huh. I was even I was even an understudy. Man, it was very hard to get the accent correct because I had to have a West Indian accent, and oh. you know they all they all laughed at me, but I worked hard on it and I did the lighting anyway. So I came here. My first job was at Zellerbach Hall over here. Yeah. Um, wow. And I walked in with my little resume. I mean, three years out of college. And there's this white man that's built like a brick house. Uh, you know, the neck, the muscles. And I walk into it with my little resume and I put it on the table. And he says to me, so you're a black woman. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, he said, you come in here. And nobody's going to bother you. And he did. Right. I mean, that that was that was male language for I understand what the scene is. Don't you worry about it. And nobody messed with me because this guy was built like a monster. So mm-hmm. a couple of years later, I go into the office. I'm no longer frightened. He says, so you want to be a lighting designer? And I'm like, yeah, I want to. I want you out of here. Translation, you can do better than this. Uh-huh. So I went over to the Paramount. Another little guy, uh, also white man, muscular, kind of scary. I go over there for my first union gig with my little plot. And first of all, the the white crew, IATSE crew, they're not going to believe that I'm the lighting designer. They kept looking for the lighting designer. And finally, right. they figured out it was me. And then, you know, they were not doing what they were supposed to do. And I was terrified. I was in my 20s. So this little guy that was in charge of it, Thane Morris, he said to me, if you don't get on them, I'm getting on you. I'm like, oh, and I did put this here, that, 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 you know, and he was, you know, behind me all the way. Like, mm-hmm. you better tell these boys what to do. Right. So, you know, um, it's not. and I was in my 20s. It was not easy. So being a woman and being a lighting designer has not been easy. It is easier now. There are more. And I have my colleague, Kathy Perkins who does all kinds of stuff also does, you know, black stage designers, Facebook and has written books. And, you know, there are, there are, there are more of us still very, very few, but. Do you know Brit? Do you know Brit? Brittany? Fraser? Melson, I think. Melson. Yes, I do. I do. She she did something over at the Ubuntu space. So, you know, there's very, very few of us, but it has gotten easier and with age and experience and authority, I don't take no shit. Right. No, I don't I take definitely... no shit. I have, I have assistance. You know, I've already been through the terrified stage, the not knowing stage. Now I know. And if I don't know, I'll say I don't know. And I have two yeah. or three young people 
uh, who are my assistants who will help me. So I'm right. at a very comfortable point now that when I walk in, people know who's in charge. And they also know that I'm open. If I right. don't know something, I will research it. I will get my assistance. We will make it happen. And that makes my attitude makes all the difference. Like at uh, the Marin Theater Company, I was so used to working at places with tight budgets and this, this, and that, that when I did how I learned what I learned, I just thought of something or I'd mentioned something. The next day it was hung, focused, and ready to go. Right. And I was very not used to that. Very, very not used to that. And the young people, um, I don't think there was anybody black on the crew, but the young people were like, uh, you know, Dr. Johnson or Stephanie, this, this and that. They were running and jumping and jumping and running. And, you know, it, it's just changed. It's changed a lot with the dying off of that layer of angry white men that didn't yeah. want you to be there. And they didn't want to be there either. <laughs> well, I'm surprised with the um, the lighting thing. Um because there are times when you run into racism, for lack of a better word, people's ignorance. And what is amazing to me with lighting is how many times you have to fight with somebody and say, no, this is about how you light a surface. If I put a yellow surface up there, you'd know how to light it. If I put a brown surface next to it, you'd know how to light it. Why can't you do that with skin? And these people seem to feel like you're bringing some problem to them instead of recognizing what is literally in front of their eyes. Which is why it's important that there are more of us and that we work as a team. Yeah. I keep telling my other designer friends, try not to be an isolate. Take somebody with you. I, went, uh, I did a production three years ago. It was the theme of it had to do with black uh, youth. Mm -hmm. And I was the only black person on the production. Yeah. So I went to the head of the theater. I said, I'm very disappointed. And I'm the only one. And then there was another person that came but we should not have to advocate for that. People should understand something about authentic experience and who needs to be the authoritative voice or the administrative artistic leader. And that still goes on. And that's, we're going yeah. back to our early conversation, that's that softer face of racism. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, and it's so amazing to me because you have always had that voice of authority but I just figured you'd have gotten tired of it. When I bumped into you at Ubuntu, I was thrilled to see you because I was <laughs> like, you know, how many times can you deal with somebody's ignorance before you just kind of say, I'm done? <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, and Michael has been a very, very good colleague. I mean, he he's he's much younger and he's a white guy, but he wants to know. He wants to learn. He feels the pain of things that happen. And yep. he just turns it over to me. I mean, I got to create a whole lighting setup in a blank space and it was yep. truly amazing with all of his support i've never heard him say no yeah. you know we we might hassle about a budget but i've never heard him say no to an artistic vision that i had although right. sometimes i've had to say to him no that's not going to work very well right but he listens he listens because i've been doing theater longer than he's uh, been alive practically pretty much yeah <laughs> yeah exactly i wanted to show the folks so this is a uh, i forget let me see what website is this from this is from hold on for a second uh afro urban society and they interviewed you and these are some of the uh, pictures of the shows that you have uh lighted i recognize janae uh, yes, it looks, it looks like there's Kimberly Ridgeway in the background here. Yes, <laughs> and uh, I don't know who this those are my is. girls. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and it's wonderful just looking at these pictures and, and they look like portraits. I mean, they just look like, um, you know, just visually spectacular. Yes. Um, what are the conversations that you ha have regarding budget? Because I imagine a director may say, I want this, I want that, I want the sun, I want the moon, I want, you know, the lighting, I want like a, a spectacular, I don't know, supernova, but they may not have the budget for it and they may not be the lighting equipment for it. So, because I know there's some young folks who may be listening right now who may right, want to right. check, but they don't right. know how to empower themselves to have these conversations. Like, listen, if you want this, I need to know what the budget is. I need to know what the lighting equipment is. And I need to tell you what the limitations are, but you have to yes. have that empowerment within yourself. I'm sure you've had right. those difficult well. conversations. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it's budget and it's also your imagination. Now, remember, I told you that I did Black Dyad with coffee can lights. So, you know, I can do something with nothing. Yeah. So it's also your um, artistic imagination. Um, you, you encourage your director with whatever their budget is to do what they can do. And sometimes it has to be simpler. Or it has to be expressed in another way that if you just had $2,000, you could just boom, buy an effects thing and make it work. But you have to use your imagination. You use what you have. Um, you can try to find budget from elsewhere. But really, right. it's your imagination and the imagination of the director and the synthesis between the two of you. How can I make this work without using up one third of the lights that I have? And that right. comes with experience and confidence. And also, and also having peers. Yeah. You know, I have young people call me from time to time. I don't know how to do this. Just like I asked them about some of the modern things. They'll say they don't know how to do something and something else. And I'm like, oh, well, you can do it like this right. for very little money. So there's <clears throat> that reciprocal relationship, intergenerational relationship between the whiz bang of what's going on right now in the digital world and the coffee can lights and a candle and a flashlight. Mm -hmm. And between yeah. all of that, you can pretty much get your director's vision on stage. Yeah, no, I did, um, uh, when I did um, Death of a Salesman, I ended up watching the season after that. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing the ways you could take a very simple space mm -hmm. and just figure out appropriate lighting for it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. We never talked about how you got here in the Bay. How'd you get, how'd you find your way to uh, the San Francisco Bay? She said her well, apartment burned out in Boston. That's right. My oh, but I thought that burned sent up you in to, Boston. Yeah. I thought that sent you to Canada. That sent ah. me to Canada. That sent me to Canada, but I had always wanted to, I had always wanted to come to California. My mother would not pay for any college that was not in New England. So my sister went to school in Connecticut and I went to school in Massachusetts. I wanted to go to California Institute of the Arts. Ah. It was it was like the second year that it was open. My <clears> mother said something about not going that far away, something <throat> about California being too wild. Um, so I went to Emerson, which had Emerson College has been there for over 100 and some years. Right. So she wanted me to go to an institution that had been there. But I, I had wanted to go to Cal Arts from the very beginning. But I enjoyed my time at Emerson. I enjoyed my time in Canada. And I got here when it was the right time for me to come here. And this is my home now. I mean, I, you know, I've worked internationally and I want to do some more international work, but uh, People's Republic of Berkeley is just about my speed. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when did you get here, Professor? 
1977. Wow. A whole totally different time. As a matter of fact, 77, that was about a year before I think Harvey Milk had happened and the People's Temple all, happened. Yeah, all, all of that. Reg, Reg, when those things happened, my phone was burning up. My mother called every day. <laughs> I told you those people are crazy. I want you to move back over to New Jersey. Every day. They're crazy, Stephanie. I told you. She said at one point, the United States got picked up by one end and anybody that wasn't hanging on tight fell into California. (laughs) (laughs) That was her theory about the California culture. (laughs) Um, How is your, yeah, I know it must have been crazy. I mean, I would have loved to have um, been around during that time. You got to be careful. It's like that Chinese thing. You know, you you do not want to live in interesting times. You really don't. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. I've enjoyed it, you know. I have enjoyed it. In 1977, when I got here, there were eight, seven or eight black theater companies. Dang. Seven or eight. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. What, what do you think of the future of theater, even black theater uh, now? I mean, uh, it, you know, with gentrification, uh, maybe COVID will change things, but it's still really, really tough to rent out a space. And, um, you know, there are a lot of, um, I don't see a lot of black companies. I mean, I know that Lorraine Hansberry mm-hmm. is still going on. The African-American Shakespeare is still going on. Um, Afro, Afro Solo is going it's on. Still going still. on. I'm working for him right now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, do you, I mean, do you, are you optimistic or pessimistic as to, I guess, the state of theater? And also, have, have, are you satisfied with the work that you've done? Are you unfrustrated? Do you want to do more? Um, do you, has, how has the Bay Area treated you? Theater, well, I, theater, I can theater. say something about that. It looks like my phone's going to run out. It's got 10 percent, but we'll yep. be able to we'll be able to get to the end. Yeah. Um, I, I'm an eternal optimist. Um, I also recognize, you know, my friend, the director, Ellen Sebastian Chang, says we don't own the real estate. That's a problem that right. we don't own the real estate. But there are there are black theater companies and black theater practitioners amongst young people that I don't even know them. And they use storefronts and they do site specific and they do various things. So theater, as I was taught and, you know, Norman and I probably are from more a traditional theater backgrounds, proscenium arch and so on and so yep. forth. Yep. They're yep. doing it in a different way and they exist. Yep. And I'm really trying to find them to put them in this network because I think that intergenerationally there are things we can share. Um, so in terms of formal black theater companies, there are not that many. They've dwindled gentrification yeah. budgets and now uh, the COVID virus. Right. Um, there, are, there are a number of people that worked, uh, Aldo and Margot worked on raising money for theater companies across the country so yeah. that they could survive. And I think there's a Black Theater Coalition out of New York that raised money uh, to try to keep our precious, precious resources in place. It's hard. And I think we really have to think about working together in coalition. And we really do have to think about legacy. You know, as I get older, I think about legacy. What can I pass on? Who are the young, particularly black, but not exclusively so, Mm -hmm. that I can share my craft with that will like that craft and that it will continue as an art form rather than a technical entertainment uh, add-on? 
right. that it will continue as an art form. So legacy is really important, working intergenerationally. It is, I don't know how we're going to get the real estate. I'm working on history projects here in Berkeley, the history of uh, black people in Berkeley. And every time I go to my computer and do research, it's really heartbreaking because yeah. I don't know how we're going to turn around what used to be a $47,000 house that is now per- worth $1.2 million yeah. in Berkeley. And who can buy that? Right. When you sell your grandmother's house, it's gone. Yeah. And when the money's gone, the money's gone. Yeah. The legacy is gone. And then the commissions and the civic organizations get run by somebody else because you don't live here. Right. So yeah, which is a tragedy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a working optimist. You know, I mean, I don't just sit and be optimistic and drink my cup of tea, but I work on it because, you know, I have to believe that this can change. I have to believe that these young folks that are trying stuff out will continue to, to bring forth that legacy. And even if we work in white administrated or white owned theaters, that we'll be able to get our voices in there. And now a lot of white administrative theaters are understanding that and bringing in folks. So I'm hoping that that will turn toward we get to have our own. And Margot's deeply dedicated to that. Oh, and yeah. I'm working I'm working with her all the time on that. Yeah, yeah, no, the, yeah, whole, yeah. I'd say that's got to be the most exciting thing that we are, that's in the near future is watching Lorraine Hansberry take that next step forward under Margot's leadership. That I'm, I am very optimistic about that. Yeah, it's it's going to be magnificent. It's going to be magnificent, and you know there are other groups where the associate the art associate artistic directors are now black people or people of color, yeah. and let's see if that makes a difference. Yeah, and let's see them ascend to become the artistic director, the CEO. Let's see them ascend. Yeah, no. It's so we gorgeous. run it. So yeah. we run it. Absolutely. I don't mind being backstage, but we need to be on stage and in the spotlight as a people. We need it. Mm-hmm. There you go. And with that, because uh, I, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I, your battery's running low, so I guess we'll wrap it up. Um, okay. Shout outs, birthdays, birthdays. Uh, somebody I went to high school with, Rob Feeney, and we just reconnected. He was big in the tech thing, and he was like three years older than me, so. He graduated my freshman year, and uh, <laughs> and so when we reconnected, I, I don't know that he knew who I was at all, but I was like, I remember him. He was like one of the heroes of our theater department. Uh, Brendan Getzel is a musician I got to work with last summer with Cal, uh, not Cal Shakes, SF Shakes on um, As You Like It. He was our musical director, wonderful guy. Uh, Katie Meinhold is, a, I met her, the young actress working with a company that no longer exists, Round Belly Theater. Um, but they got to, in that brief period when the Noodle Factory was a performing art space, that uh-huh. company was like my, my number one resident company. Um, Armand Dorsey, his birthday is coming up this week, uh, African-American actor. David Skillman, um, who I just got to reconnect with and is doing a reading with Elizabeth Carter under um, Shotgun. And it was funny because she was saying, I need a guy... I need him to be not equity. And I said, I don't know what David is doing. And we got in touch with him. And so he's back in the mix, which is wonderful. 
Uh, Sarah Bettnell is a was a young woman that I met when I started Oakland Public Theater. She and her husband moved back east, changed their, they merged their names when they got married, and they've been running a little theater scene back east. Um, my, I now have this list of young people who have played my children, adult children. I am now, <laughs> now that I have adult children when I don't even have real children. Meron Yeshuas. <laughs> Do you know her? <laughs> Uh, she's, um, I don't know her. she was my daughter. Um, we did a Midsummer Night's Dream last year and she played my daughter. Uh, Judith offers the playwright that I'm going to be working with soon. Uh, we're going to be doing compared to what in this fall and coming fall. Uh, Kimberly Dooley, people should know because she's connected to shotgun mm -hmm. players. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stephen Anthony Jones birthday comes up this week. Whoa. I know the man is definitely. I when I got to work with Stephen finally, I was so happy. I was like, "This is a name that I'd heard," and then I'd go to ACT and I'd see him. When I finally mm -hmm. got to work with him, I was so thrilled. Uh, Mari Zeff, another Bay Area actor. Ron Mesa is not a Bay Area actor, but uh, we went to. I went to Cal Arts for one year, and Ron Mesa was there, and it was funny because he was clearly like a Nathan Lane kind of musical theater actor, and they kept telling him he had to like do Shakespeare. I was so happy when we got out and he actually got to go out and do musical theater. I'm like, why are they doing that? And then the last one I have, Christmas Boy, Damon Brown. Oh, yeah, I have him on, although I don't know him personally, but uh, he's he's a well-known actor. Uh, he, my, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my list today, Kara Harold, uh, she is a more of a filmmaker, but we were on stage. Uh, we did The Marriage of Bet and Boo. And so that was a long, long time ago, back in 2001. You guys, I got to sign off now because I've got to interview somebody for a job. But this has been really fun. And I'm going to go back and look at the other episodes. And I'm going to be a regular tune in person. Thank you both for what you're doing. It was great doing. to have you. Thank you. It Professor. was really big fun. Call Thank me anytime if you need any advice. I'm here. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Professor Johnson. Thank you so much. Oh, and we'll have, we'll, we'll have the links and everything so that people can find you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> All righty. So what's your birthday list? Yeah, uh, I have Carlo Olmos. He, uh, he and I were on stage. We did uh, Candide. Fantastic singer. His birthday was yesterday. Um, Cynthia Lagodzinski. <clears throat> I think you saved uh, that for me. Uh, we had her yeah. on the A, and I've been on stage with her, it seems like, for a, a lot. Um, she has been on. She, we did The Skin of Our Teeth together. Uh, but she's been on stage at the Douglas Morrison Theater many, many times. Uh, so happy birthday, Cynthia. Her birthday's tomorrow. Uh, let's see. Judith Offer. Also, Amanda Bailey. Um, she was, oh, we had her on. She was going to yeah. do Tiny Beautiful Things. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, her birthday will be Tuesday. And let's see. Adam Simpson, uh, we had him on. You weren't on. We, uh, I oh. interviewed him separately. Uh -huh. He is, I think he took over Off-Broadway West along with uh, Sylvia Creighton's. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm not, yeah, I've, I've got to figure out what's happening with Off-Broadway West. I know the Harders are now in Oregon. Right, it'd be but, nice uh, to find out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Adam's birthday is Thursday. He's a fantastic actor. I last saw him. He did Master Harold and the Boys. And he was Master Harold and um, had that wonderful blend of being the um, the um, the quite little boy, but of course turns into a sort of a malvent. Right. Um, you know, the, the twist. Yeah, it's a beautiful piece. Yeah, exactly. And um, 
Aquanetta Summers, I think you uh, saved that for me. Um, her birthday is tomorrow. I'm sorry, on Chris, uh, after, the day after Christmas, on Saturday. No, I didn't save it because I, I always stop with the uh, Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is all that I have. And uh, no, actually, I'm sorry. Um, Anita Veramontes, and we had her on. She was a singer. She is the sister of Sheila Veramontes. And oh, yes. Sister. Remember, we had the sisters on? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was wonderful to have sisters or, you know, just family members involved in theater. And so uh, her birthday is there. And also on Saturday, Daisy Nesky, who did our costuming before. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So her birthday is uh, Saturday, uh, the day after Christmas. And that is the list that I have. You have any shows that you want to advertise? Um, Well, I don't have a date yet for it, but the Afro solo piece, I am directing a solo piece. Um, Thomas is going to be putting up a it's a group of men, I think. I, I don't think they're all native San Fran, but they're definitely San Francisco uh, black men. Mm-hmm. We're uh, doing, there's going to be a collection of solo pieces. And so that'll come together in January. So hopefully I'll have a date when we when we come back. <laughs> all right. Okay, and that'll be it. And I'll have links to uh, Professor, um, Professor Johnson, um, her personal website, also the Wikipedia page, and also the article that was uh, done on her by Afro Urban Society. Uh, just a fantastic guest. You, you come up with some of the great ones. So I'm really, really happy about that. No, that was amazing. Oh, the other thing I didn't, uh, the other show was um, Red Carol, which I put in the uh, the chat. I put the link. Um, and this is through the Mime Troupe. Um, it's uh, Michael Gene Sullivan's piece, his adaptation of A Christmas Carol. <clears throat> I was driving the other day and I heard what I knew, you know, the characters, Bob Cratchit and Scrooge, Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, ah, this sounds like Christmas Carol, but it was way goofier. And at the end, I got to hear the credits, and it was, oh, this is the Mind Troop. So it's on KALW. I don't know how many more times they'll play it before Christmas, but a uh, very exciting, wonderful piece. Right on. Yeah, I will check that out. I gotta jump into the uh, the chat thing to pull to pull that up. Oh, I do. I do have it. Perfect. Yeah, and if you hit chat and you hit the little three dots, it'll you, it says you can save the information, so you don't have to mess with it. Yep. All righty. Well, my friend, I'm not going to see you again. I'm sure we'll talk, but we won't see again until the next we year. We gotta talk. Barry wants to get us on next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see that. Yeah, that'll be another podcast that Barry has, and he's going to have us on Barry Graves, who yeah. was our Richard Foreman in Paris. And if we have more information, then I will post that in the links. I want to thank everybody who's been watching and listening to the Yay this year, uh, 2020. I, w- I heard that, uh, I guess, because of COVID, people are listening to podcasts more and more because they're cooped up or, you know, they're more isolated. So they, you know, are feeding, con- you know, getting mm-hmm. content. So uh, for those who have been listening and watching the Yay and they've helped us out um, throughout our th- three years, thank you so much. You know, we want to be a part of the Bay Area theater community. And if you're watching the Yay on, um, on YouTube, like and subscribe and uh, put, you know, your comments in the chat section and let us know what you like and what you dislike. If you're listening to this on the traditional podcast app, we're on all podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on the Apple podcast app. And if you're an Android user, you can go on the SoundCloud app or just go on soundcloud.com and you can find us. As always, the A is created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook. I'm at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. All right. Well, happy holidays to you. I would say Christmas, but I should say, well, Hanukkah's gone, right? 
Monica, we just finished. Christmas is around the corner. Yeah. All righty. And with that, happy holidays to you and to everyone. And as uh, we always say, we got to find, find a better, better sign-off. And we are out.